Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Leadership Now with me, Dan Pontifrac. Eric. Eric Termonde is in the house, best-selling author who has given 400 keynote presentations over, I should say, to industry-leading businesses and associations all over the world. Eric inspires business leaders to prepare for the future of work and make these one-degree shifts to build trust, belonging, engagement at work. He's a lifelong entrepreneur, award-winning He's surveyed and interviewed thousands of employees and leaders in his efforts to put the numbers behind the employee experience and understand what actually separates great teams and leaders from the pack. He brings a very fresh perspective to workplace culture and what it takes to build incredibly awesome teams. He's the best-selling author of the book, Rethink Work, brilliant thinker, and first of all, a friend. Eric, welcome to the program. Thanks for being here. Okay, man. Um, We've witnessed a lot over the last couple of years, somewhat obviously, right? Sure, Some unpredictable yes. trends uh, causing ultimately me to wonder with you because you're such a cool futurist. But nonetheless, like, what's going on right now mm. in our organizations? Uh, first question, how long do we have? Because there's a lot There's a lot going on. Uh, Dan, first of all, great to see you. Thanks for having me. As you said, most importantly, a, a long time time friend you've been a mentor and a coach of mine for for many many years so i'm just grateful to be here but I, I, to answer your question i would say that we're at the convergence of a lot of different things happening right now a lot of us think that covid is the reason why this future of work conversation is happening at a faster rate now than it ever has and, and what i would say to that is that's kind of true but mostly not i would say that we're at an interesting inflection point with respect to uh, labor force numbers with re mm. with respect to technology that's entering the workforce faster than it ever has before and we're also seeing this new generation that is wanting, expecting, demanding, requiring a, a world of work that we haven't seen before. And that's partially due to COVID and our ability to work from more places at more times of the day, from more locations than ever before. But also because there's this societal, environmental, global awareness that didn't exist in the past. So let's let's just talk about each of these uh, one, one thing at a time. Okay. Uh, number, number one, uh, unemployment is at a 50-year low uh, in across Canada and into the United States. Last I checked in Canada, we're sitting at about a 5.2% unemployment rate. In the United States, is about 3.7%. Yep. Uh, when you look at these numbers, uh, not all of those people are able or willing to be in the workforce. So that number even skews a lot lower than the number that's actually presented. We're also seeing the number of people that are retiring right now, retiring at twice the rate that they retired just 10 years ago. So in the United States, we're seeing 10 to 12,000 people retire every single day of the week, which we have historically never, ever seen before. Mm -hmm. uh, to make matters worse, we're reproducing less than we ever have before. In fact, 30% less than we were reproducing in 2007. So the average woman right now in Canada, the United States, is having between 1.4 and 1.6 children uh, each. And to have a sustainable population, not even growth, just sustainable, we need that number to be about 2.1. So we're far under that. Immigration isn't happening at the numbers that we need it to in order to sustain or to grow our population. And the older generation that's retiring now is retiring with more money than they ever have before, which is therefore that trickle down effect is enabling that younger generation to work less, retire sooner and to have more financial assistance than any generation before that ever has. That's the labor force. Okay. Right. Then we're seeing technology that's certainly impacting us that we've never seen before. I'll share with you a quick story that I heard a couple of weeks ago. At the start of the pandemic, uh, a 42-year-old mother lost her job. Now, she was a bookkeeper for a small accounting firm. 
when she went home, she realized, well, how am I going to take care of my 10 and 12 year old daughters? I don't have a job anymore. They have to go to school. I'm a single mother. What do I do? Mm -hmm. She asked one of her kids, what should she do? And her 12 year old daughter said, mom, why don't you do the same thing that you're doing? But why don't you do it online? (laughs) Why don't you use one of these online job forums to post your services out there? I don't know if those are the exact words. Thank you, Fiverr or whoever. Exactly, right? Now, we used to think that these are for the next generation, these digital natives. But what she did is she said, okay, well, for $400 a month, I'm going to put my bookkeeping services online and let's see how it goes. Well, by the end of the month, she had 26 people that signed up. Now she had quadrupled her salary. She never had to leave home. And she was able to grow her business from her basement. The labor force, as we know it, is structurally changing to the amount of solo entrepreneurs and the working world as we know it is fundamentally shifting. I mean, we can work from more devices, talk to each other online in ways that we just simply couldn't five years ago. So that's the technological side of things. Third, what did I say? COVID, of course, has required us to work from more places, more times. It's enabled a new world of work, which is partially due to the things that we talked about with the labor market and technology. But it's also allowed us to reprioritize a lot of the things that are important to us. You know, is family what we want to spend more time with? Of course, many people have said yes. Do I want to live in these big urban areas or do I want to live somewhere in the countryside? These are all questions that people are having. There's purpose. A lot of the things that you talk about around the impact around that whole life experience that people are now either rediscovering or discovering for the first time. And all of this is happening while this next generation is aware of Me Too movements, is aware of things like George Floyd, is aware of inequities across the world that simply previous generations to no fault of their own just simply weren't aware of. Mm -hmm. So demands, expectations, possibilities, and potential are all different now than they ever have before, which is required, which is creating this tsunami of what I would like to call not a great resignation, Because it's not that people are just leaving the workforce. I call it like a great reconfiguration. Because in Canada, we've seen in the last two and a half years, 28% of the population change jobs. But they haven't necessarily been re-educating themselves. They haven't been going for new careers. They haven't gone from a tradesperson to UI UX designer. They've (laughs) simply been reshuffling, realigning, reconfiguring themselves so they can do the work that they like to do with people they like to do it with where they like to do it, and to ensure that the work that they're doing has some positive or some impact on the planet that they align more closely with. All that to say, in closing, for this very long-winded answer, (laughs) this is a very positive outlook for the future of work, because if we continue to see this great reconfiguration at the convergence of technology, a new generation, COVID, and a labor force shortage, I think that these reshuffling is a really positive thing for the future of work. And I think if companies start to embrace the turbulence that we've seen over the last couple of months and use that to replant their flag in the round, restate what their purpose, what their mission is, and get totally aligned with people who want to help make that mission come true, my gosh, I think we're in for a really positive experience over the next three to five years. There was a doctoral dissertation on what the hell's been happening the last uh, five years or so, man. We, I'm glad we recorded this for sure, because it's uh, not just a sound clip. That's a PhD. So let me let me unpack one of those uh, words you used. And the word is if. Mm. So between kind of the um, the arbiters and the criteria that you've referenced, right, from the demographics, obviously, right, to the, the wishes of Gen Z or whomever. Um, you said if 
leaders or organizations are willing and able and capable of making that shift. So that's a really big word with only two letters. Sure. So let's unpack if just for a second, Eric, Mm -hmm. where are leaders and organizations on the if statement? Great question. One that I think you, based on your content and the work that you've done, are, are more qualified to answer. You're pushing that back to me. Is that what you're doing? So you're I'm, just... I'm going to push it back to you, but I will not I will not skirt the question first. I'll answer it and then I'll get you to answer it. So it doesn't okay. look like I'm trying to avoid the question. Uh, <laughs> but I will answer the question if. If it comes from, from two places, the way I see it. If comes from either scarcity or fear, or it comes from a lack of knowledge. Right. And I think those are the two biggest if factors. You can only make that change if you're not scared of what comes along the other side. So, you know, when we're seeing companies with 20%, 30%, 40% turnover, gosh, who wants to have a team of 10 that's now a team of six because we want to re identify what's important to us and realign who's going to be a part of it? Like, that's terrifying. Not only is it terrifying, but it's a heck of a lot of work and stress that you're going to put on the six people that are aligned that do want to stay. So I can, I can certainly appreciate why you wouldn't want to make these changes, especially when you've been, when our people, when we have been dragged through the mud for the last two and a half years trying to figure this thing out. The second piece is um, is knowledge or is even know-how. I mean, the, what are the most dangerous words in business? That's the way we've always done it. But part of the reason why we use terms like that's the way we've always done it is because we don't actually know what a new, better way of doing these things is. Leadership development, as you know, is a bigger priority in the changing world that we're living in than it has ever been before, simply because things are moving so fast. And so if we don't know what to change, how are we going to change it? I think if comes down to scarcity and it comes down to knowledge. What what would you say? Oh, Eric, so kind of you to flip roles here in your illustrious way of being an awesome human being. I would say that there is a reticence um, to change, to your point. So I think people are entrenched. And that leads to point number two, which is deer in headlight syndrome. The factors that you alluded to coming into the pandemic, because I don't, I, I agree with you, sir. I don't believe the pandemic was uh, the reason or rationale for all of these changes. It just became a pretty easy scapegoat um, mm. for people to pinpoint something and say, well, because of the pandemic, this is how I want my life to be going forward. Now, this sure. stuff was brewing for years. Uh, right. Taylorism kind of started it, I would say. So we've been on this thing mm. for about 100 years. So I do think that sure. leaders have and organizations have this um, very conflated ego of themselves as to what makes, quote, a great place to work. And mm-hmm. if they're averse to change and, and risk of making that change gives them those deer in headlight um, signals, then what we're sitting at is a sort of a whole pile of status quo. And sure. then to me, that's kind of where the employee, the team member is now tooting their horn and saying, WTF, boss, mm-hmm. what the mm-hmm. hell are you doing? I'm going to go turn into the bookkeeper and, and go fiber myself to a better life. Sure. And that comes out of that knowledge piece, too. I know that I am able to and can do that, too. But, you know, you mentioned something, if we can dissect a string of words or a word of two. You said you said a great place to work. (laughs) And I think that that's fascinating because a great place to work on the construction site is a very different great 
place to work than it is in an emergency ward at the hospital. Yeah. You know, I was looking at the Fortune 2022 best places to work list in in America, over 10,000 companies. So we'll preface that by saying it's a, you know, it's a narrow group of companies. The number one best place to work in the country was the Hilton Hotel chain, okay? And the second best place to work was was Cisco, you know, the IT infrastructure company. And I'm coming to think of myself, I'm like, okay, these are two of the best places to work in the country. However, would somebody that's making our bed in Hilton want to work in a server room at Cisco? <laughs> Not likely. Would somebody in the 33rd story of a UI UX you know, wing in a Nashville skyscraper want to be a valet parking our cars at a Hilton hotel? I mean, probably not. So the question that I have, every time I hear a great place to work, I want to add two words. Great place to work for who? (laughs) And I think until we can define what makes this a great place to work for who that really is aligned to, I think we're kind of missing the mark. Not to suggest that anyone or any company who is most diverse, best for women, best for young people, best managed, best culture, whatever the best is, chances are if you have those titles, if you've earned those accolades, we should be proud of these things. We should be able to pat ourselves on the back. Having said that, every time every time I've seen these companies win any of these awards, here's what happens. That Great Places to Work logo goes on the career page. It goes on the About Us page. It goes on the front page of the website. Then it goes on the signature of every single person's email, and nothing ever happens to it from there. It's this branding piece that we use that we should be proud of, to be very clear. Having said that, it's incredibly misleading because if you and I are both looking for a job, where's the logical first place to look for great places to work? Well, probably on the great places to work list. Having said that, if you're a better fit at Cisco and I'm a better fit at Hilton, and we both just apply to the top 15 places to work, by the way, one of them is the children's hospital, one of them is PCL at the construction site, (laughs) we're going to be hugely mistaken and hugely misled despite being a great place to work, realizing that it's not a great place to work for us. Well, it comes down to, I do believe, Eric, and I get your comments on this, are we clones or not? Well, yes, but not out of fault. We're clones out of default. uh, (laughs) Go on. Well, well, there's there's been, in the information age that we live in, the awareness, the transparency of the different styles, the different ways of work that exist now simply didn't exist before. I mean, you and I, when we jump on a plane to go to a gig, we're going to put our Instagram story out there and let the world know where we're at. That didn't exist 10 years ago. You couldn't even take work home with you unless you had a briefcase and a printer, you know, not that long ago. Now, all of a sudden, we can't leave work at the office, right? Exactly. So now there's this awareness of work that we've never seen before. There's awareness of leadership and positive leadership. I think that, you know, toxicity, poor leadership existed to an extent that it doesn't exist now, not to say that it doesn't, but existed in the past because people didn't know any different, didn't know any better, didn't know anything else. And now in the world that we live in, there's so much transparency. There's a lot that's still behind the curtain, but there's a lot more transparency with things like Glassdoor, with things like employee forums, with different rating systems uh, that allow us to understand what that world of work is like right now. So has then, Eric, the uh, power shifted from employer to employee, or are we in some sort of to-be-determined saga here of the work versus uh, life scenario? Well, I think you can directly correlate the leverage that an employee has with the unemployment rate in the country. The lower the unemployment rate is, the more leverage the employee has. But I can tell you right now that if the unemployment rate in Canada was 10%, 
that the call back to the office would be a heck of a lot greater than it is today. Why? Because either you have a job and you come back to the office or you don't have a job because somebody else is there to take it. Mm -hmm. Right now with unemployment as low as it is, the leverage lays lays in the employee's hands. That said, for anyone who's an employee out there, um, don't abuse it because there will be times where this cycle does turn, where they where there there is a shortcoming, and uh, you know the jobs are going to be harder to get. I don't see that in the next little while, whether there's a recession or not. Simply because in Canada there's a, still a million vacant jobs, yep. um, and the populate like you know the economy still continues to grow. Uh, that said, it will happen, and uh, those who are putting in the time and the effort now, not to say that you should necessarily work yourself to the bone or not focus on balance or not focus on on life and family too. But um, those who play the game smartly right now will be rewarded long term. So let, let's segue to that. Um, as much as you know, you are a fantastic futurist. I also want to give you a new name, a new moniker, uh, Eric Termonde, Nowist. You're a Nowist. So oh, okay. who, uh, who, who's not who, but what organizations are are getting it right today, setting themselves up for a future in which they have inculcated those right. Um, criteria, barometers, questions, you know, culture ultimately. Mm. So not not so much the organization name, but just yeah. what are the what are the trends or things you're seeing in 2022 that organizations and senior leaders have done in your nowest hat. So they're mm. preparing themselves for the, you know, Eric the Futurist hat. I just gotta put put on the the nowest hat here. And uh <laughs> looks good. Well, thank you. Um I think you and I talk a lot about the human qualities of leadership and the human qualities of work. You know, mm-hmm. I think we're seeing a bit of a shift now. I mean, we've been seeing it for for five to 10 years around a, a bigger purpose to the work. You know, it's not just bottom line. It's not just profit. It's not just revenue. It's you know the impact that we can make on the planet. Having said that, what we've seen throughout the pandemic um, is, is a shift and, and I'd be curious to get your take on this too, but I, I've seen a shift as to where culture lives because that gathering spot, because that watering hole that is the office in many ways doesn't exist in the uh. same extent that it did in the past. I found that where culture lives has been very much distributed from the tower and the logo on top of that building to very much the, the leader and the team that he or she is working with. So, I mean, let's just use this as an example. In Canada, we have a culture, or in the United States, we have a culture, right? We're all we're all united by by the maple leaf here in Canada. When I ask my American friends, when I put a flag on the screen, give me a few words that come to mind when you see this. I'll hear like maple syrup. I hear sorry. I'll hear freedom. I'll hear beavers. I'll hear moose. Like I'll hear all those Canadian hockey, all the stereotypes, all the things that unite Canada. Because when you see that flag or when you see that brand, there are words that come to mind that allow you to see what it is. So every mm-hmm. culture will have that. If you put a Lululemon logo up, people are going to tell you all the words that come to mind. If you put a Coca-Cola logo up, people are going to tell you the words that come to mind. That said, even here in Vancouver, you know, Lululemon has four offices. One of them's an innovation center. One of them's a call center. One of them's where a lot of the finance and the accounting and the numbers get done. And the other is where a lot of the brand and the product and the marketing get done. But those offices have very different cultures, despite being united by Lululemon. Then within those offices, you're going to have different apartments. You're going to have the finance team, which in the finance team, you're going to have FP&A, accounts receivable, accounts payable. And each of those individual teams represented by that leader and the group of people that work under that, they're all going to have nuanced cultures, nuanced experiences. 
All that to say, to answer your question, in Canada, we have the country, then we have the province, which Alberta handled COVID different than British Columbia, handled it different than Ontario, uh, even in, in British Columbia. I'm from the Southeast Kootenays, which handled a lot of things in education and policies and bylaws a lot different than the lower mainland. And here in Vancouver, Yale Town's different than Mount Pleasant's, different than Cole Harbor is different, you know, yeah. you can go on and on and on to the street, to the building, and each building has a nuanced culture despite rolling up into being a part of Canada. And I think the same thing happens at, at their places of work too. And I think what we need to understand is that if we're going to succeed in the future of work, we have to understand that a company is no more than a group of teams, is no more than a group of people. And if those group of people can feel trusted, can feel like they matter, can feel like they belong, can feel like they're making an impact, can feel respected, can feel that they can bring their best selves to work because they want to and not because they feel like they have to, and we've got a group of groups that are able to do that to accomplish a singular mission or a single goal with a set of values and are aligned in how they're going to do that. Those are the companies that I think are really going to succeed and excel in the future of work. So what you're saying, Eric, is organizations are actually made up of a culture of cultures. Yeah. Is that fair? I would actually argue that it's almost only a culture of cultures. Uh -huh. And I think we're starting to realize that more than we ever have because of distributed work, because of remote work, because of decentralized offices. Yeah. Is the segueing to this though, I got two last questions for you. So um, is remote work kind of hybrid work, a red herring in this whole thing? Like, is this something that employers are, you know, offering as sort of the carrot Yet the stick is still the employee saying, well, it's not good enough. Like, you, that's just one thing. You've got to do more for me. So I'm coming back to you, right, on the relationship, if you will, the calculation mm -hmm. between employer, employee and, and things like remote work and hybrid work. Sure. Like, where, where do you see that happening or going? It's a massive factor for sure. I mean, if you've got, you know, a, a six month old and a, and a two and a half year old at home. Like that's going to be an enormous factor and you could probably actually put up with some toxicity, some poor leadership, some poor team members if you're able to work remotely because that's a non-starter for you. So yeah. I think it totally depends on stage of life, on the things that you're looking for. But Dan, if you and I were animal people through and through, like that was our number one priority. And like PETA was our organization or the World Wildlife Foundation was our number one organization that we wanted to work for more than anything else. And like purpose, mission, all of those things were absolute North Star's goalposts that we're looking for. Yeah. And you and I got to our first day in the job and you and I couldn't work together because you're disrespectful or I'm disrespectful or rude or racist or something like that. It doesn't matter how strong the purpose of the organization is. If I can't work with my team because I'm feeling stressed, I'm feeling unsafe, I'm feeling anxious. Well, I'm going to be able to find another organization that I'm still aligned with to a point that allows me to do the great work that I'm doing. So is it sort of a, 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 a you know stick and carrot sort of exercise? It can be, but I do think that it's a strong enough factor that it will overcome some of the negative leadership qualities. Uh, At the same time, though, those leadership qualities are going to what's or is going to be what's allows uh, longevity because those kids are going to be three and and five at some point, and then maybe you don't need to be able to put up with that in the same way that you that you were able to a while ago because you needed to, and so. I'm thinking as we look at longevity, as we look at continuity, as we look at strong tenure, leadership, I mean, must be 
uh, first and foremost, the number one thing that will keep people there. They need to feel trust, belonging, psychological safety. Having said that, at this point right now, as we look at this transition, the remote working capabilities might actually overpower some of those negative workplace experiences that we would have had if it allows us to live a life that we wouldn't be able to live elsewhere. You last question, and then we'll find out where we can find out more about you and your great work and your uh, speaking, et cetera. Um, you've used the two words uh, work and life several times over the past 20 odd minutes or so. Mm. And selfishly speaking, I'm in the throes of writing a book actually called Work Life Bloom. Mm -hmm. So my question for you is, is it inescapable that leaders need to be thinking about both one's life, i.e. their employee and what, what's going on and quote outside of the work, but, and, and those factors that need to be brought into the work because they come regardless because they're human being. And then what are we doing inside the workplace in order to help the work uh, actually become more productive, performance enhanced, whatever the right is. I'm just asking, curious about your take on work and life. I feel like I need like one of those, you know, like the, the Budweiser goal lights. I want to like hold it up in front of the camera because I feel like there's something controversial coming and I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say it because I know that this is the hottest topic right now. Uh, but I'm going to use uh, Elon Musk and what he's doing with, with Twitter, which where's is going the to date, boo, Where's is, the boo button? But that's yeah, Well, but that's the thing. And, okay. and so there's so much to boo. <laughs> right. And yeah. I get that. I'm all for it. And I'm not defending Elon. I'm not saying what he does is good, acceptable. I'm not saying he's a great leader. I'm not saying any of those. And what I'm saying is that what he's doing right now reminds me of a 1900s like Ernest Shackleton job posting. And essentially what Ernest Shackleton said is that he was going to go on an Arctic journey. And in this newspaper ad, he said, dangerous journey, unlikely to survive pride and glory imminent if you're interested for if, if you're interested in poor pay long days and a small chance of returning we'll see you on monday at the at the shipyard and what happened on monday at the shipyard you had a lineup of people outside around the block that were ready to sign up for this journey that was unlikely to be able to come back at all Right. I think Elon, in a way, is a modern Ernest Shackleton, where he's saying, I want you hardcore people that don't really care about work-life balance, that want to build something that I think, that he thinks, that Elon thinks is incredible, where 75% of people are saying, absolutely not. 25% of the diehards are saying, absolutely. And what I think is going to happen is you're going to see a lineup of people outside of Twitter headquarters. They're going to say, heck yes, I want to be part of this crusade. I want to be a part of this journey. So here's what I'm saying. If the mission is that strong, if what you're trying to build is so crystal clear for the people that want to join on with you, there mm -hmm. will always be those people who want to put that first. On the flip side, you're always going to have people that want to check out right at five o'clock on the dot that don't want to take any work home that just want work to be a very transactional experience that you can check in and check out of. And you're always going to have something in the middle. And I think with this boundary, with this box, with this understanding that we don't have to be everything to everyone, my message to any leader is, so as we enter, as we work towards this future of work, be crystal clear on not just the work that you're doing and what the outcome of that work is, but who the people are that are going to be totally aligned that can help you make that mission, help you can make that, that, uh, that voyage come true. Because there will always be a group of people that want the experience that you're trying to offer for them, so long as you're crystal clear about what that is. That is prescient, I shall say, uh, 
and even throwing in Chuck for like, come on, you're just, you, now you're a historist as well. You're a historian. Uh, we started with future, then we went to nowist, then we went to a little historian, then we'll 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 end it off uh, right in the middle, I suppose. You're uh, you're one of my favorite futurists, nowists, and and <laughs> obviously hosers. Uh, Eric, where can we find out more information oh, yeah. about you? Uh, hopefully, on the link below would probably be the easiest. My last name's a, a bit of a mouthful, but if you check out ericturmundy.com or or find me on LinkedIn love to carry on the conversation debate and uh you know actually i don't really want to talk about elon but if you want to talk about anything else we can talk about that too <laughs> you're a treasure and a gem uh and first and always foremost uh you're just a really dear friend so thank you so much for this uh look forward to clinking glasses again at some point in the near future uh eric to everyone thank you uh for another episode of leadership now thanks Ed. appreciate it